All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Today we have Josh Kalinowski. Josh, welcome to the podcast. John, it is a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's great to have you here. We're going to be talking about um, four habits to create exceptional impact, influence, and faith. And Josh, you and I met as I did the book launch. You heard me on Kerry Newhoff's podcast, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, it was uh, one of the ones that just absolutely stood out to me. And uh, I had to take action on it and search it out, brother. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. And here, guys, a little bit about Josh. And first of all, you were down here at your your daughter's softball tournament, and me and my son got to hang out with you. And for my son, was epic because my son wants to play in the MLB, and Josh, you played professional baseball. So yep. a little bit, right? You're CEO of the Kalinowski companies. You guys, how many companies do you have now, Josh? Yeah, so we've got five companies and two other entities that we work with. Okay, so when somebody says they're a serial entrepreneur, most <laughs> people just say that. Josh actually does that. And you know what? You started after losing your dream in baseball and having to get out and have to just slowly start building things small step by step by step. And I can so relate to that. Yeah. And in many ways, you know, you're many steps ahead of me. And that's why I, I just love having this conversation. Um, you're an author. So 13 years, and let me just read your bio real quick. So it's all in here. 13 years after your career as a professional baseball player ended, that's when you really started getting um, traction as the successful entrepreneur. So it took you 13 years to become an overnight success. Well done, Josh. Um, <laughs> he's a man of faith big time. Father of four. I got to meet two of your boys. They're awesome. You're a husband to a rock star woman. And I love how you just talk about your wife. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Josh is focused on, and this is your thing. This is the conversations we've had since we met is how do I empower the men and women in my company that we get to work with in our sphere of influence to live that life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith? What, what are the steps to do that? It's something Josh has put a lot of thought into it. That is foundational and core to where each of these businesses have been able to get traction and grow. And then how do you inspire people on how to do that? So we're going to be digging in and talking about how to do that. You also get to do a lot of coaching and mentoring, I think. And there's questions I want to ask you too about as you know, a baseball player, some of the things that you had to develop around mental toughness daily disciplines Mm -hmm. that are, you know, getting through failures, right? Injuries, uh, embarrassing losses, right? That happens at a much more accelerated pace in sports than it does in life. Yeah. And in that, there's so many great things that I think that you, you have pulled out in a way that you're also aware of it. So you can pull others, the mental toughness to take. So Folks, we're going to do that. Before we do that, though, Josh, I'd love for you to just start and share kind of your journey and your story. You bet. Well, I think, you know, I was like every other kid. I grew up just chasing a dream. I think so many of us, when we're young, we, we've been given this amazing opportunity to dream of what life could look like when we're young, right? And I did that. I, I wanted to be Bo Jackson. And so I was going to be a dual sport athlete. I was going to be a quarterback in the NFL and I was going to be a position player actually in major league baseball. And as I got older, I was a pretty big fish in a very small pond here up in Wyoming. And uh, I was a left-handed 
pitcher and I threw hard at a good curveball, which allowed me to kind of stand out of the crowd. But I, you know, Ken Coleman talks about this and I talk about this in the book is it was all about proximity for me. We just happened to be playing a fantastic team up in Rapid City and the scouts were there to take a look at these two kids that they were getting ready to draft. And I was on the mound that night and I had a fantastic game. I pitched seven innings. I struck out 14 players and it caught the eye of the scouts. And then from there on, that really is what allowed me to get to the point of actually getting drafted by the Colorado Rockies and started my career in as a professional athlete. Uh, and then, as you said, you know, at the age of 26, here I am destined to become this Hall of Fame pitcher in my mind. Uh, I had a fantastic minor league career. I you know, I had great accomplishments, everything from a 20 game strikeout to I threw a no hitter and you threw a no hitter. I did. Yeah. I had a, wow. a no hit game. And uh, I'd say that was a pivotal moment in my life because I remember getting texts that evening from people that were at the Colorado Rockies game in Denver. And they were texting my dad that my name was on the scoreboard announcing that I had just thrown a no hitter in the minor leagues for one of the farm teams for the Rockies. And to me, that was just proof that God had opened up this avenue and this path and that I was destined to do it. And so, of course, by the age of 26, when everything kind of crumbled and after a number of surgeries and injuries, uh, when that was taken away, it was devastated, devastating to me. When the jersey came off, my entire identity came off with me and who I was. And so I was more of a shell of a man than anything at that time. And you know, as you mentioned as well, as you know, I am I am a man of faith, of a man of deep faith. And even though I still had faith back then, I'd lost everything that I thought God had created me to do. And so it was about that 13-year journey of discovering not only how to forgive myself for this failure that I believe that I was a part of, mm-hmm. but also discovering why God had thrown me through that. Why had he taken away what I thought he had created me to become? So, you know, in, in there, you know, that's interesting, right? You, you know, when I went, when I was in the Navy and I was pursuing being a fighter pilot, you know, mm-hmm. faith at that point, I grew up in the church. It wasn't a big part of who I was, but I had to find somebody to blame. So in that, I was still mad at God for that happening. Yeah. But as you go through that, right, and, and you're a person of faith going through that and you just feel like, okay, this is going to be my platform. Yeah. And then, and then you, how many surgeries did you end up having? I think it was like four, right? Yeah. Three on my shoulder and one on my elbow. Mm-hmm. And you just got to the point where, man, I just can't compete at this level. Like what was going through your mind as you were thinking about, okay, how do I put this in context of, right? A, this was my calling and this is my identity, but kind of then trying to reconcile that with like in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good, which a lot, you know, a lot of us just throw out there. Sure. And you're like, yeah, man, everything's going to work together for good. Well, in the moment, that's usually maybe not the best thing to say to somebody, or maybe it is. Right. What are your thoughts? Well, there was a massive disconnect though, right? You know, I mean, I always had faith and, you know, my faith back in the day, especially when I was pitching was, all right, God, you know, allow me to go out there and have a great game. And then if I had a great game, it was thank you, God, for such a great game. If I had a horrible game, it was like, all right, okay, Lord, like, what do I got to learn from this? Right. And that's part of that professional side of it, where you have to correct, you have to take a look at things very fast because there's always a scoreboard, right? And there's always a statistic that comes from that game that you pitched or that, that inning that you hit or that fielding error. And so, you know, I was always good at course correction pretty fast when it came to improvement. Once again, when, when the game was over, it was just like, for me, 
it was like, okay, Lord, like, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be anything great. And I think a lot of us, especially men, I think a lot of us have a problem with forgiving ourselves for this childish and stupid things that we've done in our past, you know, and I felt like I was also a part of that too. Maybe the decisions that I had been making all along had led to me and this failure that I experienced in my life. And so part of it was just the embarrassment. Part of it was just me fulfilling, just kind of like understanding that man, maybe, maybe all the decisions that I made right and wrong had led me down this path and God had really taken it away because I wasn't worthy of that ultimate goal, which was to make the major leagues. Mm-hmm. So that was a, there was a lot of pain that came with that. Yeah. So that notion of not being worthy, I think a lot of us have felt that as a matter of fact, it's interesting. I was telling you about my time recently, army war college. I got to teach out there yeah, And I really did it there. It was a colonel who's in charge of a air group that consists of uh, like five or six squadrons, right? This is a major command for this guy. And I was debriefing him on his 360. And we did that one-on-one, you know, out of earshot of everybody else. Cause he just wasn't appropriate to get debriefed on his 360 with, with his folks. But mm-hmm. do you know, he shared that with me. Sometimes his biggest concerns. Now this is after a 30 year career in the military. Mm-hmm. Is like, I still feel like a poser. Yeah. Like here am I making decisions that are affecting literally a thousand people, our, our military readiness. So what is it about that notion of sometimes feeling like to be an imposter, not feeling worthy? And what's the source of it, do you think? Well, I think first of all, obviously one of it is, is it the understanding that you have a greater purpose in life. Mm -hmm. right? The understanding that at the end of the day, I mean, the relationship of, you know, faith is such a big part. You and I, I think one of the great things that you and I have in common is just the foundation of faith that we have in our life. And when we understand that we, first of all, we're we're not going to be perfect. We were never created for perfection, right? We were created by the perfect God, right? But we were created with unique qualities and amazing qualities and It is with his love and his strength and our dependence upon him that we find fulfillment in our life. I think that's the thing that the key that we realize is that that gives us that freedom in our lives. It gives us freedom to make mistakes. It gives us freedom to have failure because once again, when it's all on your shoulders and you're the only one to blame and you're the only one that's going to give you approval, whether you are good or bad or forgive or not be forgiven, that's a really big burden to carry. And when we try, especially as men, and I just focus on men because that's a lot of the people that I deal with, uh, when we focus that as men, that like there's nobody else that we can lean on, that's a pretty unbelievable hard feat to overcome in our lives. And of course, then we'll have a burden. Of course, we'll have this pain and we'll have this discomfort. And then we'll always have these fears of the failures that we've had in our lives because we can't give it away. We can't have anybody take it off of our shoulders. And so it brings in that discontent. It brings in the emotions that we feel on a regular basis that we are not worthy for where we're at in our world. No, I love what you said. And something else popped into my head too, is when you're talking about our faith, some of these things, and this is why actually uh, working with Christian leaders, Christian Mm -hmm. men and women of influence, If you're on a path to build a business, be a great husband, great great mom, and you're hearing those little niggling things that are coming from somewhere in your brain, here's what I know. That is not how the Father talks to us. Yeah. That is not. 
And I want everybody to, I want you to be acutely aware of this. Think about this. When we were born, we were formed in the image of God, right? And mm -hmm. in that, what I don't think anybody would question this, right? To the heavenly realm, like God and the whole heavenly host and the angels, right? We're Christ's workmanship. And in that, they see our identity. They see our image in Christ. They see our our values. They, you know, he said, hey, here's the works that were prepared beforehand. Don't you think that they see all God's design kind of behind the covers, right? Mm -hmm. It's also visible to the enemy. Without a doubt. They're all still part of that realm. Yeah. And guess all they have to do is get you to believe a false identity, that you're not worthy, that you're an imposter, or get you to doubt that, you know, hey, that dream that's on your heart that, hey, I'd like to be this person, right? I'm guessing you and I both coming out of what we were doing, the focus was kind of on self and it very relates to an ego. And then all of a sudden, like to succeed in business, man, that doesn't work, right? Yeah. Unless you just want to stay a sole contributor your whole life, I guess. Right. But, um, right. In that, we have to be really careful about what voice we're listening to and really start fine-tuning. That is why I think faith is so important. Because you know what? When you start reading scripture and you start getting around men and women that, that are really a great community who understand that, all of a sudden they can tell you, like, you know what? You are not listening to the right voice. And you know what? Sometimes just turning it off seems challenging, but as you start practicing it, all of a sudden, it was that that gave me the ability to start taking what felt like these huge risks, mm -hmm. but in hindsight, they really weren't that huge, and they had great, great outcomes, and the out, I'm not saying success was the outcome always, by the way. Right, right. I would try something and fail miserably the way that externally, but I realized I just learned something that A, this is a road I'm not meant to go down as an entrepreneur. Or, hey, I figured out how to do it next time better, and I'm going to keep trying because I still feel this is the direction I need to go in. Well, I think there's a couple of things that I'd like to just add on that. I think, first of all, the tests, right? I love the fact that once you understand that, especially when you're ready for growth, when you really, truly are looking for growth and change and really for that next chapter in your life, your tests become your testimony. Mm -hmm. And so I look for those opportunities, you know, every morning I'm praying for wisdom. Well, I know that I'm in, in order for me to get wisdom, I know that I'm going to have to be tested. I know that I'm going to have to go out there and stretch myself. I know that I'm going to have to get into uncomfortable situations in order to achieve wisdom in my life. But the other thing is, I think is really important. One thing that I learned because we all deal with that inner voice, right? We have 60,000 messages that go through our head every single day and 85% of them are negativity, right? But here's the thing that I hope that the listeners can catch on is that realize this, is that the devil will always call you out by your sin, but God will always call you out by your name. And so that voice that you're hearing, if you're looking for direction, if you're looking for like, is this the voice of God? He will always call you by your name. The devil will never call you by your name because he hates you that much, right? He doesn't even love you. He doesn't know. He doesn't like, he doesn't like your name. So he will call you by your sin. And that's been a great tool mm -hmm. for me when it comes to, okay, what voice am I listening to right now? And uh, I hope that those that are listening right now, maybe that's just one thing that you could implement. Maybe that's one thing that you can take away from this that will help you in the direction when it comes to making decisions in your life. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what I became just a habit, Josh, is when I hear one of those voices, 
Uh I just bring immediately, even it's like, ah, dude, I don't know if you can do that. Or like, hey, who are you to go to the Army War College and teach a command staff? Mm -hmm. Right? That little thought pops in my head. I immediately go, you know, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just rebuke that. And Lord, I just pray that you, I just want to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, guess what? It's gone. And then I can actually start focusing on what God sent me there to do, which I was there on a mission. And I had the honor and the privilege to be sent as his ambassador into that area for territory he had already prepared. And I was like so humbled that he picked me to represent him because that's not an opportunity I created. I'll just tell you that. Yeah, it's just so So, awesome. Hey, now we started out and said, hey, four habits. Uh, And this is, you and I were talking about this before we uh, hit record. So this is is some good stuff here and how to really up-level, right, our impact that we're having in the world, in the kingdom, in our companies, our influence, that's our ability to lead, our faith, how do we grow in our relationship with Christ? So what we're, uh, let's kind of walk through some of these habits, because you, you've developed just a great framework. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think one of the things that we've, we've realized is that, well, let's just say this, our society, our culture is over-medicated. There is a pill for everything under the sun if you have any type of an issue, right? And the unfortunate thing that we know about when it comes to medications is that usually it might resolve that one issue, but it opens up Pandora's box into about six or seven other issues that you're going to actually experience through that discomfort, right? And so the acronym though that I used is the pill, the daily pill. So this is not any type of medication that you have to go get a prescription for, but it is an acronym for four things that I know that you can do on a daily basis it's going to give you that fulfillment. One of the things that we talk about in organization is just emptying the tank every day in every way. What does that do? That means that emptying yourself in these areas of your life that are important. And so the pill stands for, the first letter P stands for painful. Every single day, we've got to do something that is uncomfortable, right? And so we can all recognize there's probably an area in our life that we find very uncomfortable, but we know when we do it, it's worth it. And of course, the first thing that most people talk about is exercise, right? First, we're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that exercise. I don't want to do that workout. I don't want to do that thing, right? But if we just made the, made the commitment to do something uncomfortable and, and something a little bit painful in our lives, it's amazing how great we feel after the result, right? After the thing that we just did. And so I know it's painful for me because (laughs) I was such an addict was not eating sugar and carbs. And and I got to tell you, my first three weeks of changing that habit, like I felt like I was missing out. Now I'm down 35 pounds Yeah, and I got about 10 more to go, but I feel amazing. And then I started, I think you and I were talking about, think about this folks. Somebody said, Hey, do a hundred pushups a day. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Here's what else somebody did though. Like every day he goes, somebody then challenged me to do 10 push-ups an hour every hour. That's how you get to your hundred. Uh-huh. So I did like three of those. So like the third hour was 30 push-ups, and I have not been working out because of COVID and all that other stuff. Right. I'm like, well, you know what? That's uh, let's just back her down. Because I'm trying to create a habit. Mm-hmm. I said, what if I do two push-ups and two sit-ups at the top of each hour? And I, on my little Apple Watch, I set it. Now, guess what? That's become a habit and I'm moving it up. My goal is to get to 20 of those every hour. But guess what? If it takes me six months to get there, I mean, little things. You find you know, easy ways to do those little things that are really uncomfortable. And then you can create a habit that just has an impact across your entire life. 
That's exactly right. Well, really, it, that, that goes right into our second word, which is intentional. So first word is painful. Second word is intentional, right? Because there's areas in our life that we know that we should be intentional with, that we need to be more intentional with. Um, you know, this space, this goes off of five foundational pieces that we believe that every man and woman needs to have in their life that they should be, you know, that they should be striving for, which the five foundations is faith, family, fitness, finance, and future. Those are five areas of your life that you can be very intentional with. Right. And so when it comes to that, like there's always something in our lives that we need to, like, we want to be focused on. Right. And so it's like, just like you were saying right there, uh, you started a habit or you tried to start a habit, but you had to be intentional recognizing that, well, it wasn't really realistic for 10, but maybe I could back it down to two. And then I could build on that foundation. You know, it's like, if you want to start a business, you have to be very intentional in certain areas and aspects of that business when you're first starting out. And we allow, unfortunately, events and fires and all of these things that are happening throughout the day take away the, from the things that we need to be very intentional with. And so if we can just be committed to just one intentional thing every day, guess what? You start a habit, right? You write it down, you recognize it. And then not only do you recognize it, but then you take action on it and that builds integrity within our lives which allows us to continue to keep stacking so that way we can become even more successful and which is becoming exceptional in our influence, right? Becoming exceptional in our faith. And so the, in the pill, you've got uh, painful, you've got intentional. And then the third L stands for lazy. Now we're all lazy at something in our life, right? Like I will tell you, I hate taking out the trash. I do not like doing dishes, those are things that I'm completely lazy upon, but I know how much my wife appreciates it. Mm -hmm. I know how helpful it is. And I know when I do those lazy things in my life, how much better I am for those that are around me. And so once again, I have to look at those lazy things that I'm just not doing. I will tell you as a dad, when I'm done with work, it's so easy for me to go home have a beverage and just relax on the couch. It's just so easy for me to do that. And I become lazy with saying yes to my kids. Hey dad, can you come play catch? Ah, you know, let me just enjoy this for a little bit. Dad needs about 20 minutes. Right. And it's when I started to become more intentional with all of these areas. So doing something painful every single day, doing something intentional every single day, identifying the things in my life that I'm being lazy at. And starting to correct those, gosh, it's amazing how much my relationships have changed. You know, I read a couple of years ago, I read the book called The Five Second Rule. Yes. Uh -huh. And do you know, if you wait more than five <laughs> seconds, your actual, there's physiological things that happen in the brain that then actually prevent you from taking action. Yeah. So, you know what I've tried to do? And, and it's that intentional piece for me, I guess, of what you're talking about. Let, let's say you get that thought in your head is, you know what? The kids didn't finish the dishes. I should just go do it. Yeah. And if I go five, four, three, two, one, go, or maybe it's, it's something to help Donna or something, you know, like you talked about, because if I don't act on it and I stay on the couch, then all of a sudden it doesn't happen. Yep. And I think life is so much more full and rich when, when you are really serving and blessing other people, because it, it comes back, Without not that. always right away, but it comes back eventually. And you know what? That's been big for me. I've actually, uh, I think, got a lot more accomplished using that five-second rule. 
You know, it's funny. Uh, I'll expand on that. So one of the things that I love to do that used to be painful, right? Here's the great thing about too, is that you evolve out of those things that you thought were painful and they become a routine and a habit in your life. You know, a couple of years ago, I, I learned the importance of ice baths or taking cold showers and they were tremendously painful for me. Like I just did not like them. They were so uncomfortable. And now they're just a part of my daily routine. And I, and I really enjoy them. In fact, when I don't get to do it, I just feel like my day is in complete. Um, and I recently purchased this ice barrel and every time that I get into it, I get into it by my waist and you know, this is early in the morning this is after our workout. And I have to count down from five seconds. I do this every single day because it's still just uncomfortable. And I know I'm going all the way up to my neck and I know how cold it's going to be. And I know I'm going to be in there for like five to seven minutes. And so I've taught my children to do that as well, too. So anytime that they get into the ice bath, it's always They're a count. Doing an ice bath. Oh my God. You know, so I have been doing the cold, the ice cold showers. And I yes. got to tell you, when it first hits you, that first 30 seconds, Yes. But then, but then I feel totally energized afterwards. Yep. Especially That's if it. I have some pain I still have a lot of some pain in my neck and back, but mm -hmm. I don't know, man, it, it helps. It's better than a hot shower. Yep. Once again, I look forward to it now, but it's taken me quite some time to get over that painful aspect of it, even though it is a little bit uncomfortable, but it's, you know, it's amazing when you start stacking these things, how much more, like you said, how much more alive you feel right? Because then you start looking for other areas in your life that maybe you haven't been intentional with or that you have been lazy with. And the last one, which is so important is you got to do something every day that you love, right? Unfortunately, what ends up happening is as high achievers, we put our self-care in the back burner, right? We put our self-care the last thing that we're going to do. And if we even get to it, fantastic. But most of the time we don't get to it. And we wonder why our tanks are so empty at the end of the day and our tanks end up getting empty at the end of the quarter and we're exhausted, right? So you have to be looking for opportunities for doing things every single day that you love. Now, this doesn't have to be a two hour commitment. It could be a 10 minute thing that you do, right? And so what are the things that you love to do? And one of the things I talk about in the book is when you are filling your own cup, right? Taking care of yourself, uh, it is so important for you to find the things that you love to do and give yourself permission to enjoy that. A great example of this is one of our great leaders within our company. We were having a conversation about this and, and she was having a really hard time because she didn't feel like the thing that she loved is what other leaders would respect. And I'm like, well, wait a second, tell me more about that. And so we uncovered that for her watching Netflix on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening was something that filled her cup. And I'm like, well, why do you feel bad about that? Well, other leaders don't do this. I mean, if somebody that was a great leader found out that I was watching Netflix, they say I'd be binging on it. And I, so I had to help her give herself permission to enjoy that moment, to enjoy that time. Because what it did is it allowed her to fill her cup so she could better serve those that were around her, right? And we talked about that balance in that though, you know, like anything that we love to do, there's always times and moments that you can do too much of it and we don't want to do that. But yes, you have to give yourself permission to enjoy the things in your life that lights you on fire. Yeah, totally. And you know what? There's kind of two sides to that. So I have people on a sheet of paper and you guys can do this out there listening, uh, just Look at emptiers and fillers mm -hmm. and actually just start getting aware of, hey, what are those things that do fill you up? Maybe 
like I know for some of my leaders, affirming others, like naturally, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you. That's awesome. That fills them up. I know other leaders that actually is kind of an emptier because it's not, we've never made it a habit. We're not good at it for whatever reason, but that is huge for your people. That might be something, hey, I get to work on, but let's like moms out there, I'll just tell you right now, your kids can be on the filler side when they're sweet and awesome and snuggly, and they can be on the emptier side also. So permission to put them on both sides. Yeah. But you know, here's what I always do is, hey, what if we actually get aware of what is that, whether it's Netflix, going to play golf, whatever it is. And what if I, we just turn that up a click on whatever scale you want to use? And we take the emptiers and we look at all of them and say, can I do something differently and turn that the noise of those down a click? Yeah. And if we can just keep those in front of us, we can be so much healthier and keep that not only the tank fold, but I also think that that is a big part of our mental health. Because if we let those drainers, if that tank stays empty over an extended period of time and you're in that period of stress, it actually physically affects your brain chemistry, which leads to anxiety, depression, or even worse. And I got to tell you, Josh, in what's happening now, a lot of the leaders I'm talking to and friends, they have been running on an empty tank yeah. for so long, they don't even know what it feels like to almost be healthy. Yeah. And it's something I think as leaders, I'm glad you brought that up, that we have to, we really have to guess what? It's okay to go watch Netflix and yeah. careful about whose voice you're listening to. What, what do they think? Guess what? They're not thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, once again, we're talking about depression and talking about lack of fulfillment, you know, is it no wonder that so many men and women in our society are feeling that way when they don't know how to have self-care in their life? Right. And, you know, we are not taking time for ourselves. You know, unfortunately, you know, as we know that we have a very selfish society right now, it's like the me generation that's out there. But in for, what we're realizing is that the me generation is not about taking care of yourself. The me generation is all about trying to consume things for yourself. All of the unhealthy things, there are no boundaries. There are no lines that you can't cross, right? And we know that for all of us that, let's just say that we're living in, like we're, we're living a life on fire. The reason why we live a life on fire is because we stay within our disciplines. We stay within our daily habits that we know when we align with those habits, when we stay disciplined, when the things that we have discovered that allow us to have a cup that is overflowing, we have greater impact. When we don't have any boundaries, when we don't have the guardrails, when we don't have disciplines, then we have a life that is very shallow and it is not overflowing at all, right? It is dry. And we're always looking for the next greatest thing. We're always looking for the next thing that we need to chase. And, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that haven't found those disciplines and those guardrails in their, in their lives allow them to continue to keep staying focused on the most important things. This is such a great framework, right? Something painful. So just do something a little bit every day out of your comfort zone, mm -hmm. right? It's going to just help you grow and stretch. And even then, you know, that all of a sudden it starts to get comfortable. So then you find something else. You keep, I love to keep growing. Be intentional. Faith, family, finance, future, fitness, and just get committed to one intentional thing a day. Mm -hmm. How many of us have said, okay, I want to read the Bible more? Hey, you know what? Every day I want my wife to feel like the most loved woman. Like, I mean, do I do that every day? Like I say that. 
right? Something I've honestly been working on being a lot more intentional, saying like every day I want to have a moment where she just feels valued and loved, right? Lazy, five-second rule, and then I'm so glad we talked about self-care. And, and folks, I want you to think about this too, because I talked a little bit about it in my book, but when I lo looked at Josh and his book, Josh, your book is called, and you guys can get it from Amazon and also from Job's website, but it's strike three, what to do when the game's over, but life is not. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There's so much happening in the world right now where this, like, learn from somebody who's gone through that and created excellence, mm -hmm. who's created companies. How do you, how, when you feel like you've been devastated and everything's been taken away, how do you change the context of that to say, okay, how do I take that and use it as a, uh, a foundational piece to build on, yeah. right? Because what the enemy wants you to see is that is proof that you are, you don't have worth. You actually don't have a foundation. You're starting from not just scratch, but from below ground. Yeah. So That's forget about it, right? That's what's going on. So with that, Josh, what's your website? How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, you bet. Uh, if you just go to joshkalinowski.com, you can find all the information about me. And then, of course, I'm on all the social media platforms as well, too. You can just go to Facebook is one of the biggest platforms that I use still. I'm a little bit older. I'm not, I mean, I do Instagram, but I usually do everything from Facebook. And you can find me at Josh Kalinowski. I do a daily drive time at 8.30 uh, Mountain Standard Time. Uh, it's just about seven to eight minutes right there of just like the things that I'm working through, the wing, things that I'm working on, and hopefully inspires you to maybe take on that challenge as well too. That's awesome. Now, just as we kind of wrap up, Josh, any final thoughts you'd like to leave with everybody? Yeah, you know, this is something that's kind of come up here uh, over the last six months as I've been really just resonating in what, um, you know, the direction that God's pulling me in and, and the next chapter in my life, you know, I've said for so long, and I think a lot of us get this mindset that, you know, well, plan B failed or plan A failed. And now we're going to plan B or maybe plan B failed. And now I'm on to plan C. And you said something that resonated with me. And I've just been really thinking about this is that, you know, nothing is coincidental to God, right? Nothing is coincidental to God. It might be a coincidence to you, but nothing is a coincidence to God. And if that's the case, there is no plan B. There's no plan C. You're always on plan A because God has always known that this was going to happen. God has always known the future for you. God has always known the path that you were going to go on, right? And so for me, I've really realized that I'm not on plan B. I'm not on plan C. What I am is I'm on plan A, but now I'm on God's plan A right? It was me chasing these other things and me thinking that I was going to be going down these paths, but God had already known what I was going to be doing. God had already known about all of the injuries that I was going to experience. God had already known these, the painful times that I was going to experience. He was going to know the successes that I was going to experience. And now that I can understand, and that's what helps me understand that I'm not a failure either, that my mistakes in the past or the things that I had to experience that were the, what I thought were my setbacks, those were the greatest moments in my life to allow me to have a testimony now to help others go through these challenges that they're facing. So I'm on plan A. I'm just listening to God more than I've ever had in my life. And I'm saying yes to the things and the doors that are opening that he's opening in my life. Wow. Powerful. Um, Josh, it has been a joy getting to know you. I look forward to our next conversation. 
And uh, if you get to Denver, again, we got to have the whole family over for, for dinner. That would be a blast. And uh, man, thanks for what you're doing in the world. And I would just encourage folks out there, get in touch with Josh. He's doing some great stuff in the world. And uh, it is a book that will help you connect who you are, what that purpose is. You know, I'm all about that because I really think that is the fuel in the tank that we need and how we express that with how we live and who we are. So thanks, Josh. Keep rocking, my friend. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you.